beauty is really created and found out of the dirt and the mess. That is something I learn over and over again on the farm in like a physical, tangible way. But just isn't that the story of all of our lives? Like not a single one of us can say that our life is not messy in some way and that we're not wading through um, some really, really hard things. But what I've always found is there's always light breaking through. There's always beauty to be found. When I look back on the experiences of my life, what I'm proudest of is not like this end result. The journey really is in the messy middle of it. And when we choose to keep walking forward in courage and not quit and keep putting one foot in front of the other and taking the next step, that's really where we find progress. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, a show that's all about finding confidence in community and help in the wisdom of those who've gone before. I'm your host, Amy Otto, and today I'm so excited to share my conversation with homeschool mom of two, author and farmer, Christine Marie Bailey. If you are at all interested in growing your own food or living closer to the land, or even just building a more intentional life, this conversation is for you. Christine tells us all about how she has gone from New Jersey to Dallas to her family starting their very own sustainable farm in Santa Fe, Tennessee. You can hear more of that story in Christine's new book, The Kindred Life, Stories and Recipes to Cultivate a Life of Organic Connection. We hope you'll grab your copy at the link in our show description. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Christine Marie Bailey. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christine. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I would love if you could tell us a little bit about your story and your family, how you came to this homeschooling life and the farming that you're doing. I know it's been quite a journey and we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a produce and flower farmer on Kindred Farm in Santa Fe, Tennessee. It's about an hour south of Nashville. So we've been farming here since 2016 and I'm a first time author. I'm married to Steven. He's a private chef for clients all over Nashville. And then we also do our own farm to table events here on on our farm called Kindred Dinners. And then I'm a mom of two daughters. Um, They're 11 and eight. And we've been homeschooling since the very beginning and absolutely adore um, the way of life and the freedom that we've been able to create through that. And it's just been awesome getting to raise them on land and on the farm and kind of integrating them into our lives here. I actually grew up in suburban New Jersey, about 30 miles from New York City. So I did not grow up on a farm or have any kind of farming background. My mom always gardened and just threw beautiful flowers in our yard and really showed me beauty and whimsy and adventure. And then my my Italian grandfather actually immigrated from Italy through Ellis Island um, in the early 1900s and turned his entire backyard into a tomato garden. So I definitely feel like it's in my blood in some way, but um, that's about the extent of my farming experience. And yeah, I went to public school growing up. I was not homeschooled, but I always loved being outside and in nature. Like I said, my mom really always made it a point to show me natural beauty and 
I really grew up with a love for that. Always appreciated that. And um, my dad just showed me the value of hard work. So I feel like I've had like kind of elements of both of them and what I've ended up doing in my life. But um, I ended up being a music business major at Belmont in Nashville. So that's when I originally came to Tennessee and worked in the music industry for many years before I met my husband and we moved to Dallas. And that's where we actually started working with local Texas farmers. After seeing a documentary called Food Inc., and I think it was around 2009, that really lit the fire in us to start supporting local farms and pursuing kind of the organic food movement. So that's where that, that began. And we literally started just driving the back roads of Texas loading up a cooler in the back of my little Volkswagen rabbit and visiting local farms and bringing back all kinds of delicious things. And, and then that kind of led to starting our own little backyard garden. So I started with like a single tomato plant in my urban backyard. Yeah, that's kind of how, where it began. And we returned here in the end of 2015 with the intention of looking for our own land to start a farm. So we were ready to like try our own hands at farming after working with farmers and learning from them for so many years. And in Dallas, we had actually built an, a farmstead in the city with an organic market and local Texas products and a cafe there. So um, we actually started doing farm dinners in the city. So we'd really dipped our toes into that. So it was time to kind of try our hand at farming when we came to Tennessee. So yeah, that's kind of the background as far as how I got here. When did the homeschooling piece come into it? Did you always know that you wanted to homeschool or did that come along later? Yeah, I think that before I even became a mother, I always was really interested in homeschooling. And I think because I just love learning so much. Um, And so I loved the idea of getting to really pass that on to my children to create an environment of life learning in our home. Um, We've been self-employed for so many years. So just being able to integrate the freedom of homeschooling just really seems like a great fit for our family. And I knew that we always wanted to kind of cultivate that family togetherness that homeschool would allow us to do. And so, yeah, I I was always really interested in it and knew I, that was going to be my intention once we had children. And thankfully my husband was on board with that. So, yeah, so I've, we've done that ever since my, my daughter that's 11, since she was in pre-K. So I really miss those like early little years, but, um, but yeah, it's been a beautiful journey so far. Can you tell us a little bit about what your homeschool days look like? Does it change according to the seasons as you're doing the farm work and the homeschooling or is it pretty consistent throughout the year? Yeah, I think it does change a little bit according to the seasons. So we do live very closely tied to the seasons as farmers and there's definitely times of the year that we're more busy than others. As a general rule, we try to do school, like sit down learning for about four hours every day. Um, And then we also have a tutorial we go to one day a week just for more community and like to take some other classes that we don't necessarily concentrate on at home. So that's been really neat. Um, And they get to do projects and science fair and all those kinds of fun things. But yeah, we do about four hours a day at home. And then the rest of the day is really just life learning in various ways. So many different ways they can be integrated into that here on the farm through really just learning entrepreneurship in various ways and And each of them getting to really hone in on what their gifts and talents are and what they enjoy doing. So they each really love like contributing to our family businesses in different ways. Um, My oldest daughter is a little bit more introverted. So she likes being behind the scenes and helping with 
my husband with cooking or helping with the behind the scenes of our farm store that we have on Saturday mornings. And we're extroverted. So she likes to be out there in the forefront, more like meeting customers and greeting people. And they both love like making things look beautiful and learning um, about how to grow things on their own. You know, like they help with planting. And so there's so many ways that they're really learning um, through so many different other ways than just sitting down with the book. But we also do have that every day, that time every day and tons and tons of time for reading aloud. That's one of the absolute biggest, most important things to us and has been since the beginning. So connecting through books and having that time to slow down and um, be immersed in stories has just been like some of the sweetest, most memorable times in our homeschool throughout the years, for sure. Do you have any favorite books that you guys are reading right now? Um, Right now we are reading, um, it's called Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. It is so wonderful. I love it. We also read all seven of the Narnia books about a year ago, and those were just like completely life-changing. Like I had read a little bit when I was a child, but to read the entire seven books together with them and just, oh my goodness, we cried. We, it was just beautiful. So I love connecting through books that way. We're also reading the Wild World Handbook right now. And that has been one of our absolute favorite books this year. My friend, um, Andrea DeBink wrote it and it's so cool. We're learning about like all the different habitats and people there's also all kinds of biographies throughout of people that have really changed the world through like stepping out and preserving God's creation in various ways and all different um, environments. So it's been really neat. We've loved that book. Well, I know this is your first book that's coming out, but you have been writing on the internet for a very long time. You have a beautiful blog. And one of the lines that really stood out to me, you wrote, I'm pouring my soul into cultivating a nourishing life of connection because this is how we were created to live. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I believe that I can live out my faith in tangible ways here on earth by connecting to those visceral experiences that draw us together, that have drawn us together since God created us and still do, like sharing meals around the table, cultivating community and being intimately connected to the land in some way. That is what I really feel called to do here on earth. And that's a gift that God has given me. So my writing kind of goes through that lens because that's just how I feel like God has made me and the message he's given me to share. And since I've become a farmer, I feel like my faith has really come alive even more in that way that I have been digging my hands in the soil and really getting to understand what it means to have a place in redeeming the earth and being a part of the kingdom of God here on earth. So all of these practices and rhythms really show me God created us to live in community and that we have the freedom to live out our stories in unique ways. You know, we've built our farm around drawing people together around the table. And that's one of the biggest ways that we cultivate a nourishing life of connection here is by inviting people in to these farm to table meals where they see where the food came from, that they're face to face across the table with people that are complete strangers. That's something that is really unique that a lot of us don't have the opportunity to do is to share a meal with someone you don't know and really have over a couple hours time really get to know those people. So my faith has really shifted a lot in recent years in adulthood where kind of growing up, I had more of the, the perspective that 
this isn't our home, which is true. My faith felt very foreign and in the distance a lot growing up. And now I feel like I understand that the kingdom of God is here on earth now. And that's something that I can feel. That's something I can touch. And it is, it's something that is lived out in the sacredness of the everyday. And so that's what I mean by that. I love it. Can you tell us a little bit more about the sustainable farming that you guys do? I know you're not just growing things, but you're also doing it in a way that is healing for the land and very redemptive. Oh, I love how you said that. That's so cool. Yes. So we are sustainable farmers. You can also call it regenerative farming, but it's about preserving the earth in a way that provides like healthy food for us today, but it also um, preserves the land for the future. Um, in the way that we're caring for it. So we're constantly contributing back to the land instead of constantly taking away and even, you know, rebuilding it in ways that maybe it hasn't been treated well before. So like when we, when we moved to our land here in Santa Fe, it was just a blank field. Parts of our land had been farmed in like World War II times, but we came to just a blank, literally a blank slate, um, very dense clay soil, lots of rocks. And we turned it into a huge fields where, I mean, thousands of pounds of food was grown our first year and shared with so many people. And it's like gorgeous bouquets of kale and lettuce and flowers. And, and so the way that we do that with sustainable farming and the reason we do it is because we feel that we are stewards of the land and that God's given us that gift to be a part of helping the ecosystem thrive and helping redeem the earth little by little by what by, by what we do. And so we take that seriously in the ways that we farm. So some of the practical ways that we practice sustainability are through like crop rotation. So we don't plant the same thing in the same spot every year. So we rotate that around. So that helps with um, preventing like bugs and disease and things like that. It's just healthier for the soil. We add compost and fertilizer every single time we repair a new row that encourages like beneficial organisms to do their jobs. So it's really like working hand in hand with the way that God created the world to thrive and all the different elements, you know, like planting flowers for healthy pollinators like bees and butterflies and how they contribute to vegetables being able to grow. So that's at the forefront of everything we do with sustainable farming. And and, um, it's really, really a beautiful thing to be a part of. I mean, it is amazing when you see this past season, I think for the first time I saw really, really closely how the sustainable methods have really paid off. Just the health of the things that we grew, the basil was like, I mean, it was just like a hedgerow of basil. Like I was really starting to see the benefit of the crop, crop rotation and all the ways that we've been pouring into the land. And it returns so much to us that we can share with so many people. And so yeah, it is it is wonderful and beautiful and we wouldn't do it any other way. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's such a picture of the gospel at work as you're yes. restoring restoring yes. God's creation. Can you tell us some of the things that you have on your farm? I'm sure there's dozens and yeah. dozens of different crops. Yeah, it's funny because our first year farming, we grew pretty much everything. I think we grew like 40 different things. Um, <laughs> and we were in farmer's markets and all that. And, and since then, we've really honed in on, you know, farmer's markets aren't our deal. We really love bringing people to us. We just feel like our land, that's why we named it Kindred. 
we felt like this land was a gift. It's meant to be shared. And we really wanted to bring people to us to be able to experience that. So we have our own little farm store here, but it's also changed kind of what we grow. And now we grow things that we can make really cool artisan products with that we sell at our farm store. And then also share through our farm dinners. So that's all the dinners my husband's doing. And then also our public dinners. Um, and then things that like we enjoy and love to eat. So I've like become really passionate about growing potatoes and tomatoes are like, oh my word, I feel like connected to my tomatoes. <laughs> um, it's probably from my Italian background, but um, onions and garlic, I love growing all those. I think there's something really neat as well about growing something that you're then going to have the return on that for like all throughout winter when you're no longer growing that thing that you can now enjoy it in like tomato sauces and you know onions and garlic are like the, the foundational elements of like all the most wonderful things in cooking and then lettuce we've been growing that since the beginning and it's just so beautiful it's like just like I said earlier like these gorgeous like they look like rosettes of lettuce and we love making salads with those and always have that anytime we have friends over. It's fun to like pull together a salad with whatever we have in the garden. And then in the last few years, I've really learned how to grow flowers in a bigger way. And every year we're adding more and more flower fields. So I love my zinnias and wildflowers and sunflowers are like just so wonderful and joyful to grow. So yeah, we love doing bouquets with those and selling them at the farm store and then all our farm dinners, like putting together table bouquets with those. So some of the things I love to grow. That's wonderful. My son was asking me before I came on, does she grow sunflowers at her farm? I was like, I will try oh. to find that out for you. For you. <laughs> Wherever in Tennessee, maybe we could stop and see the sunflowers. Yes. <laughs> I grow as many possible types of sunflowers as I can. Like I cannot get enough of them. I feel like lately there is more and more interest in this kind of sustainable farming, getting back to the land, being more self-sufficient and not so dependent on mm -hmm. our big corporate food systems. And I wonder if you have any suggestions for someone who is kind of feeling the pull in that direction, but maybe they don't really have any of these skills They're they're not experienced at gardening. Um, do you have any suggestions for how they could kind of start moving along that path? Yes. I love that question because I was there too. I began with like a single tomato plant and maybe a marigold plant in our Dallas backyard. So I understand that feeling of having the desire to grow something and not really knowing where to begin. So I would just say start small. I think the biggest thing that people do is they're like, I'm going to grow a garden, I'm going to grow everything. And then it's just very overwhelming and feels like an insurmountable unsurmountable task to begin that. So I would say just start small, start with one thing that's easy to grow in your area. So you can look up your gardening zone and see what things are really easy to grow there and that thrive the best in your climate. I actually wrote a guide for people to grow basil just because I think it's one of the like most wonderful things to cook with. It's such a satisfying herb and there's so many things you can do with it. It's such a wonderful smell and it's actually really doable for most people, even if you just have a pot. So you don't even necessarily have to have like a whole garden in your backyard. There's a lot of things you can grow just in like a single pot on an urban patio or um, balcony. So yeah, I would just say do, start where you are and do what you can to begin. And then once you see that you can actually grow something and you are part of that beautiful process of being 
there from the seed to like your plate. That is an amazing, beautiful, motivating thing. And it will just encourage you to keep going. So some other practical ways is just getting to know your local farmers. Like that's how we started as well. We were curious after we saw that documentary food Inc of, wow, look at all the problems in our food system. How can we support organic farmers and people that are farming sustainably and taking really good care of the earth. And so we just looked up who they are and went and asked if we could come visit if their farms were open on, on the weekends. And we just went on Saturday mornings to meet them and buy their goods and support them. Um, going to your local farmers markets and meeting your farmers there. Pretty much any city or town has access to a farmers market now. And then if you really want to get more involved and learn on the job, you can um, ask local farms if you can volunteer or just like be a part of coming to help them plant something or harvest something. That's another great way if you're really serious about it. So we have people that ask um, all the time and if they can do that here. And we love to integrate that as much as we can. But yeah, I think farmers love it when you like we get to share some knowledge and and also just help people because we've all been there. We've all started from nothing and had to learn as we as we've gone. So, yeah, that's what I would say. That's great advice. It seems like in generations past, these kind of skills got handed down from generation yeah. to another. And then in our generation, it just kind of maybe our parents' generation that sort of stopped for a lot of families. And so it's great that you were able to kind of connect back into that relational network of people passing down their knowledge. Yeah, I think that's true. There is a little bit, there is a disconnect, I think. And there's many, many ways we can get reconnected to where our food comes from and just to the beauty of growing things without having to be a farmer or even like a serious gardener. There's, I think there's something we can all do, even if it's just something small. Yeah. Well, you have written a beautiful book, Christine, that comes out very soon. It's called The Kindred Life, Stories and Recipes to Cultivate a Life of Organic Connection. And I wonder if you could tell us kind of the story of how this book came about. Yes. I feel like this is the book I have had in my mind and heart for so many years. It was so clearly realized that when it came time to like the proposal process and everything, I just like spilled out what was just pouring out of me. It was just like what I've always wanted to write. So just a little background. I, you know, I've been blogging for over 20 years. I've done tons of freelance writing over the years. So writing is always something that even since college, like it just is something that it is who I am. It's something I'll always do. Whether or not I ever ended up writing a book, it's Um, part of who I am. So, you know, even when I was working other jobs and had small children, I've always felt so much freedom and joy and just doing creative writing. And so really keeping that alive, even in different stages of life, even when it's hard, like I know so many of the listeners have really small children, it's hard to find time for that. But just like little spots here and there where I could journal and blog. And then when I turned 40, so we moved to the farm, I turned 40 shortly thereafter. And I don't know, there's just something that clicked where it's a pretty big milestone birthday where I just decided it was time to go for it and not be shy and asking for more opportunities and just be brave in in some ways that I feel like I was kind of playing it safe. And it's really not in my personality to take very many risks. But um, I just started asking for more opportunities, specifically with writing. And I ended up as a contributing writer on The Art of Simple, which is Tish Toxenwriter's blog. 
Um, and I wrote a piece about um, a really vulnerable piece about body image that on the art of simple and it caught the attention of a book editor who contacted me out of the blue and I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this is actually happening. This is how I, you know, you always hear about it, like falling in someone's lap and in a way it kind of did. But then I also look back at the like so many years that, you know, I've been writing and kind of pouring that out. And so it was really exciting to see an editor just kind of contact me and see something in my writing. And so that led to um, a publishing contract. And like I said, this was just the book I knew I wanted to write and where I wanted to start. And so the Kindred Life, it's really the story of how I've been finding a life of deeper connection to those things that we've talked about, to community, to the land beneath my feet and to life around the table. And it's a rallying cry for connection because I really believe that this is a time when we need to recapture that. Not only the place we are in, you know, after having been isolated for so many years with all of the things that have happened in our world, but I think in the time we're living in with lots of technology and Kind of how to keep those beautiful sacred practices alive in our lives in a time when so many things are competing for our attention. So it is a part memoir. And then part of it is just an inspiration guide for people to join, join me in living a life of deeper connection right where they are. So this is not for people who just want to live on a farm. This is for people who live in the city, who live in suburbia, anybody um, who wants to live a more connected life. So um, I put 10 recipes in the book that are kind of rustic, really doable recipes that are the way that I cook for people in my own home and that are perfect for sharing in real, just simple, authentic ways around your own table. So I, I really feel passionate about helping people see that it's not about trying to be a host or have this like perfect environment before you invite people in, that it's um, a lot of the way that we do it around here just with our friends is like preparing meals together and everybody coming together and working in the kitchen and then spending time to like really um, invest in that together and then enjoy it together and um, seeing the ways that food draws us together and feasting and even preparing it together. And then I also put some journaling prompts at the end of each chapter because I really want it to be something that's inspiring and also really practical for people when they read it. So yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. And yeah, I'm so, so grateful to get to share the story of how I became a farmer and how it's really grown me as a woman. Um, I really found kind of a deeper strength in myself. One of the biggest themes that is just that beauty is really created and found out of the dirt and the mess. And that is something I learn over and over again on the farm in like a physical, tangible way. But just isn't that the story of all of our lives? Like, not a single one of us can say that our life is not messy in some way and that we're not wading through um, some really, really hard things. But what I've always found is there's always light breaking through. There's always beauty to be found. And so, yeah, I found that in the story I wrote and then also in the process of writing it. And, you know, I think that when I look back on the experiences of my life, what I'm proudest of is not like this end result. I love, I'm so thankful of the book that I've written and I'm so proud of it. But what I'm really proud of is how I walk through every step, like the millions of steps that led up to that, you know, and that's how our life, our life journeys are that the journey really is in the messy middle of it. And when we choose to keep walking forward in courage and not quit and keep putting one foot in front of the other, taking the next step, that's really where we find progress. So 
learn over and over again on the farm in like a physical, tangible way. But just isn't that the story of all of our lives? Like not a single one of us can say that our life is not messy in some way and that we're not wading through um, some really, really hard things. But what I've always found is there's always light breaking through. There's always beauty to be found. And so, yeah, I found that in the story I wrote and then also in the process of writing it. And, you know, I think that when I look back on the experiences of my life, what I'm proudest of is not like this end result. I love, I'm so thankful of the book that I've written and I'm so proud of it. But what I'm really proud of is how I walked through every step, like the millions of steps that led up to that, you know, and that's how our life, our life journeys are that the journey really is in the messy middle of it. And when we choose to keep walking forward in courage and not quit and keep putting one foot in front of the other, taking the next step, that's really where we find progress. So, yeah. So I wrote a lot about that because I really, I really feel passionate about that, about sharing that part of my story. And then it's really a message for everyone, no matter where, where you live. So. Yes. That's such an inspirational concept that can carry us no matter where we are, whether we're farming or homeschooling or wherever we find yes. ourselves, that daily moments add up to something. Mm, yes, definitely in homeschooling. I love thinking about it in that light because it, it, it is true. It's like, I think we can kind of lose sight of that when we're in the nitty gritty of the everyday, like for all of us, like it is hard. It, we've chosen to walk into something that is, can be really toxic and hard and it takes a lot of time and investment. But like when I look back, like my girls are 11 and eight now. And what I look back on, it's like my favorite, favorite memories are those small moments. You know, it's not like the big pivotal end of the year celebration or whatever. It's like the, the small moment, like reading this one line in this one book where we all cried in the middle of like the little house books or whatever. It's just, those are the things that we'll look back and are the most important. When we're living too quickly and we're too busy, we, we can um, not see those, those moments. And so I, I really want to help people slow down and to make room for the things that are really important. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Christine. Do you have any final words of encouragement for the homeschool moms and dads who are listening? Don't discount the small moments. I really think it is so special. And if I could relive anything, it would be those. It would be those like those moments of reading books aloud under the twinkle lights or making a fort in the living room. And um, I think those have been the most special memories and the ones that I still love so much with my girls. But um, overall, I would just say that um, it's not too late. It's not too late to live a more connected life. And I think it's worth fighting for. Um, I absolutely believe it's worth fighting for. And if there's something that feels off in our families that we feel like needs to be reclaimed or changed so that we can live that life of deeper connection, I just want to encourage people that it is worth it to make steps towards that and to protect and preserve that um, which God has given us um, that we can be good stewards of and that so that we can live more fully into who he's made us to be and the vision he's given us for our family. Where can people find you, Christine, if they would like to connect with you more? Sure. Um, my website is christinemariebailey.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Organic Steam and at The Conspiracy Farm. 
if people go to the farm Instagram account, can they find information about when they can come to your farm store or participating yes. in dinners and things like that? Yeah, the best thing to do is really to join our email list at thekindredfarm.com. We announce all our ticket sales there and then our farm store open dates and everything there. So that would be the best thing to do. Okay, awesome. We'll link, link to all of that in our show notes page. Thank you so much, Christine. Okay, thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you'll click over to our show description for the link to grab your copy of The Kindred Life at christianbook.com. You can find show notes for this episode, along with links to everything we talked about today at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast. We are so grateful to each and every one of you for listening today. And until next time, remember you are loved and you are not alone.